The city of Toronto has announced what it's going to do to help the homeless population as the colder weather approaches, and they've announced that they're going to be expanding our shelter availability by 230 beds, and they're going to open 60 more warming center spaces, except not more warming centers. We've only got two warming centers. There's going to be one open in Scarborough, at the Metro, uh, in Scarborough, and then the other one will be at Metro Hall. So if you're in Etobicoke in North York, you, you're just completely out of luck. You, I guess you have to find transit somehow to come uh, to these areas. But nonetheless, homeless advocates say the plan, plan is too late and comes nowhere near the actual need. And when you actually look at some of the numbers of where we're headed with our homeless population, last September, Shelters were servicing 8,700 people daily and turning away around 170. This September, the number's already at the 9,600 mark, and we already know that we've got record food bank use, so these numbers will go up. Um, and we don't, ha- we don't have the space. I mean, we spend all this money, $647 million on housing and shelter supports, yet it's never enough. We just keep throwing money at the issue, and yet we don't seem to be solving anything. Lorraine Lamb is a Shelter and Housing Justice Network. She joins us now. Hi, there. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for giving us space to talk about this. Well, I know that you're at City Hall and you guys are uh, busy because you are going to present a list of demands to the city. Um, What do you, let me start from the start. What, What do you make of their initial announcement? Does it improve anything? No, it absolutely doesn't. And I'm glad you talked about the 60 warming spaces and how they're far from being adequate. I think the city has been very creative with their numbers. So, for instance, they say that they're adding 230 additional spaces in the shelter system, but that doesn't actually accommodate for the number of hotel shelter spaces that they're closing down. So there's actually, if you do the number crunching, there's no net gain of any beds whatsoever. And the way that they're actually adding more spaces is they're doing they're doing so by actually pushing beds closer together, which is the very exact thing that public health check told them not to do. They said that it was not an option, that they should not be moving beds closer together for infectious disease control. And yet the city is actively choosing to do that. So so it's far from adequate, um, and this plan that they say is a plan is really far from a plan, and I think we're going to see some really problematic things happen this winter. People are got, not going to have any options. They will, they will freeze to death outside. Mm. Well, you know, look, uh, there's no question about it. We are going into, I think, some extremely difficult times. Uh, we know that they're coming. Uh, thankfully, it's been warm so far. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are asking for an additional 2,700 non-congregate spaces to the shelter system, but you're also asking the city to stop the planned closure of these shelter hotels. The shelter, shelter mm-hmm. hotels were kind of just a temporary fix that caused a lot of issues within the communities themselves. The communities had issues with them, um, but you you suggest these spaces are essential. Yeah, these spaces are essential because they give people options in terms of where to go. So, for instance, if you don't want people camping in the parks, then people need housing somewhere. You know, at the start of this conversation, um, I appreciate that you mentioned, for instance, that the city keeps throwing money at the issue, but they're not actually Mm. throwing money at long-term root realities. 
So for instance, right. they're really good at trying to come up with band-aid solutions. But when it comes to actual building affordable housing, their winter plan says that they anticipate 400 affordable homes, but there's no actual commitment to that. And also 400 is hardly enough when there's 90,000 families on the wait list for affordable housing. And right. so the cost that the city has spent over the last number of years on temporary shelters and stuff, at one point at the start of the pandemic, the numbers said it was about $6,000 per person per month in a hotel shelter space. $6,000 a person, that can be so much subsidized yeah. rent for people that can be so much affordable housing. And so instead of actually investing in long-term solutions, the city continues to spend money on band-aid solutions. They're spending money on private security, patrolling and parks. And what is that? What is that going to do? Right. Let's be honest. Well, they have a number of buildings, and I don't know why it's taken so long for governments at all levels. They've got a lot of vacant buildings that they could have easily Absolutely. transitioned into affordable housing and or, but they just don't do it. So here we are, yeah. um, and, and again, um, throwing money at it's not not going to solve it. But the, one of the other issues, uh, Lorraine, is the fact that we have between 60 and 90 refugees who claim it's like come in, and we don't have space for them to, to go into the shelters. So we have people crossing into to the country through the Roxham Road um, border mm-hmm. entry. They're coming straight to Toronto because Quebec does not want them, but it's putting a huge strain on the system. Um, and the city of Toronto won't and can't address it. The federal government ignores it. And therefore, uh, I think a lot of people are being displaced because of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we need to be very cautious about the narrative that um, the city tends to spin around putting a lot of the burden on refugees that are coming into the system. The reality is the number of refugees coming into the system is, is very small compared to the larger number of people that are not refugees who are relying on the system. There was supposed to be um, a shelter that was uh, slated for refugees in the North York area, but that community rallied to close it. Um, so that isn't going to happen. So where where are these families going to go, right? I think the other thing you mentioned about um, all these vacant buildings, a really good example mm-hmm. is at 230 Sherburne, for instance. That, that lot has been something that people have been pushing towards for expropriation for the last 20 years. For 20 years, we have been working on 230 Sherburne. And what happened, This the city just um, sold the land, sold the land, and the city was outbid by $3 million, which in the larger scope of things, $3 million, and how many lives is that going to affect? And so now we're going to have this building, this luxury condo building going up at Sundance and Sherburne, which is the epicenter of homelessness and the opioid epidemic. And what's going yeah. to happen to the people who are outside there? I think the city needs to reevaluate its priorities. I think they need to, we need to have a leadership and a mayor that's willing to actually boldly go to other levels of government to ask for finances and ask for help. I think this city government needs to make different decisions in how it's going to choose to spend its money. And until then... Well, let me, let me jump in there, because we just had an election where none of this was talked about, because yeah. the election was barely talked about. The other <laughs> levels of government um, don't seem to... Want, no one will declare the opiate crisis what it is. It should have been labeled yeah. a crisis years ago. Yeah. Having said that, the only way you stop homelessness, Lorraine, is if you give the wraparound services. If someone is down and out and, and needs help... Um, they don't have addiction services. We don't have wraparound services to make sure that they can get into a home and or employment. I mean, if you don't um, mm-hmm. break the cycle, they'll continue to live on the streets. And so, again, I don't see the, the political will, and I certainly haven't seen any kind of strategy to do this. Until, until that's done, this is going to remain a chronic problem. Absolutely. Heather, I love that you said that it was, um, you called it a political will. And I think at the start of the pandemic, um, Councillor Joe Cressy at the time said that we can end homelessness. It's just a matter of political will. And I think you're right. 
Um, we haven't seen political will. We've seen political will go towards other things except for actually the lives of people who are most vulnerable. I mean, you mentioned that food bank use is going up. Um, the homelessness crisis is going up. Um, affordable rent is not affordable here in Toronto. The way that the city defines affordability is not actually affordable for so many people. Um, and so I think unless we see actual political will, and I think until we see these people that are in positions of power actually use their power for good, we're not going to see this get any better. Well, they got to deal with more urgency and thinking outside the box. But again, Absolutely. get rid of the bureaucracy and maybe we'll get somewhere. Nonetheless, uh, this is not something that's going away and it will be in our face uh, to remind us every day. Lorraine, very much appreciate your time on this. Of course. Thank you so much for talking about this. That is Lorraine Lamb. She is with a group called Shelter and Housing Justice Network. And um, they are out there fighting their fight. Uh, no question about it. You just need to walk around the city. Walk around your city, wherever you live. There is a major homelessness issue, and we just don't have anybody who seems to be able to um, set up a strategy to deal with it.